Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast with Dr. David O. Ogaga. Keys to understanding apocalyptic literature. This part three in this study. And uh, I did promise I'm going to be talking about stars falling from heaven this week. So I want us to look at that. And uh, we're going to start reading from the book of Mighty 24. Mighty 24. And then verse 32. Mighty 24 from verse 32. Bible says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it's near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not part till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my world shall not pass away. Hallelujah. And then, if you keep on reading, you find that the scripture talks about stars falling from heaven and all of that. But I want you to start seeing something from here. Let's go very quickly to the book of Amos. I want us to learn a few things before we begin to see more accurately some of the things that I have to say here. I mentioned before that a passing away of heaven and eight year has to do with the authorities and the people that are being ruled by such authorities, religious or political authorities, represent the heavens, or it's represented by the heavens and the earth, represented by the people. Amen. Amos 5 and 7, please. Got to be fast because it seems we have a few things we need to deal with. Amos 5, 7. Ye who turn judgment to one wood and live of righteousness in the earth. Now, if you look at this scripture, it's basically a lamentation against the nation of Israel. God was lamenting. It's like you read the book of Lamentation through prophet Amos here. It was Israel who turned judgment to bitter and cease being righteous in God's sight. Hallelujah. If you look at the whole place, it talks about in the earth. Earth here also dealing with the house of Israel. Go quickly to the book of Michael, chapter 1. And let's look at verse 1 to 5. I'm trying to review a few things here with relation to the language of heaven and nature pass away. So let's go to Micah chapter 1 and look in verse, verse 1 to 5. Say so the word of the Lord came to Micah of Mizraim during the reign of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. The vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Verse 2 says, Hear, O people, all of you listen no else. And all who are in it. Again, I want to reemphasize this when he said, 
who ate and who are in it. He's not talking about those who are buried in the cemetery. He's talking to a people. Amen. That the sovereign Lord may witness against you. The Lord from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads the high places of the earth. The mountains shall melt before him and the valleys split apart. Like was before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. All this is because of Jacob's transgression. I'm reading from NIV anyway. All this is because of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the house of Israel. What is Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria? What is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? So you see, he's talking about the people. There's a judgment that is coming to Judah and coming to Jerusalem, and it calls them the earth. In other words, this judgment is going to come to the people that are dwelling in this region. Hallelujah. So it's basically the prophecy against Samaria and Judah, which are the subject of the earth mentioned in this particular passage. Are you getting that? Okay, symbolic here as in passing. Now by five and six, it makes it very plain to us. So what is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? Okay, therefore, and make Samaria a heap of rubbles, if you read from verse 5 and 6. So, the judgment is coming to the people. The art and all who I need are the people of the land or nation involved in the prophecy, like I mentioned last week. In this case, the people of Judah and Samaria. I'm trying to reemphasize this fact, that when the Bible talks about heaven and earth being passing away or passing away, it has nothing one bit to do with the globe. Are we together? Good. This is the emphasis I'm trying to put up. Okay, let's go back to Mighty 24. Mighty 24. Let's look at verse 29 to 35. Mighty 24, 39 to 35. Praise God. It says... Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give a light and the stars shall fall from heaven. Are you seeing it there? And the power of heaven shall be shaken. Now I want you to know these things. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, what follows the tribulation? The sun shall be darkened. Is that okay? And the moon shall not give a light. And stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of the heaven shall be what? Shaken. Now I want you to know this. Now for those of us who may want to think twice. Sometimes when the eclipse comes up. And you see a lot of publication coming on to say. This is what Jesus prophesied. So they still bring in. Thought like eclipse into this prophetic language that Jesus was speaking. But I'm going to explain to you what stars are standing for and the sun that are going to be falling from heaven. But just in case, how many of you understand 
that we are sitting together with Christ in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. How many of you understand that? Amen? Now, for a simple illustration, if somebody is, um, is wealthy, and along the line, he comes down, what is the common language that people use? He has fallen. How many of you understand what I'm saying? The man has fallen. Oh, no, that guy is falling. Where did he fall from? What are you saying is the glory of the weight he has is gone. When a man falls, it simply means he left one realm to another realm. His word gives him power, gave him authority. Okay? So, uh, people can do some things and you say, ah, oh, that man fell into sin. It means he fell from a realm of dignity and honor to a realm that is not being low in terms of estimation and esteem, even in life. Is that okay? Are we together? Okay, so look at verse 30, Matthew 24. And then shall the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, I mean, see the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall the tribes of the earth more. I'm going to explain this in the book of Revelation. I pray we have time to rush into some of them tonight. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angel with a great sound of trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four wings from the one end of heaven to the other. Now, I won't have the time, but we go to Deuteronomy. The Bible tells us when he was talking about judgment, after which he said, I was scattered them into the four corners of the wall. He ended up saying again, I'm going to gather them from the four corners of the wall. What it really means is he's going to dispatch them into captivity, into slavery, into bondage with other nations. But thereafter, he asked them again to come back. For instance, what he asked Cyrus to do was a gathering of the people from the four corners of the world. But he's not really talking about the globe in that sense. Because if you go back to history, you find that the gathering together of the people is basically that which has to do with, in, in contents, in terms of the book of Matthew, everywhere there was a Jewish man in the Roman Empire was the end of the world. Are you there with me? Okay, we come into that maybe. So let's look at the next thing. Um, what are we? Verse 31. Okay, verse 32. Now learn the parable of the fig tree when its branches is here tender and put it forth leaves. You know that summer is nigh. Amen? Okay, so likewise when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. And that's what we read before. And this generation shall not pass away. Okay, so here we talk about the star shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Alright? Just I'll read in verse... Um, what verse is that? Verse 29, I'm sure. Okay? Are you following me at all? Okay. Right. So, we do know, first of all, that the realm at which God dwells does not pass away. What I mean is, God's heaven of our abode doesn't pass away. Is that okay? So, when he says heaven and earth, because you see, God lives in eternity. His realm of abode have no point of seizure. In other words, 
his realm or his heavenly dwelling, as it were, doesn't pass away, doesn't fade, doesn't age. Are you getting that? So, which heaven and earth is passing away that we are dealing with? This is what we've been saying since last week. It has to do with the language being used to describe a realm of life of a people. Is that all right? Okay. So here we find that there are symbolists within the prophetic structure. In other words, if it is used in Matthew, you should begin to locate the content and see who God is addressing and who the heaven and earth there is representing. Is that okay? Because heaven, the realm at which God dwells, doesn't pass away. So if a heaven and earth is passing away, then you must know that it's referring to something else completely different from the abode of God. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So, uh, like I said before, in prophetic language, heaven speaks of authorities which could be political or religious authority. Is that okay? And then earth speaks of the people that this authority is controlling. Because heaven rules. Heaven often is representing a realm of power, a realm of dominion, a realm of authority. Is that okay? You know, if you look at the book of Matthew, the Bible says, speaking about uh, Capernaum, remember, Jesus had his ministry in Capernaum, more or like a kind of headquarter ministry, as it were, in Capernaum. And you look at the description. He said, Oh, Capernaum, thou art be highly exalted to heaven. How many of you have read that before? So, where was Capernaum taken to? Capernaum was still in Palestine or wherever. Is that okay? What was the exhortation to Capernaum? I mean, to heaven of Capernaum. The signs and wonders and the miracles and the fact that Jesus had Capernaum more or less as his ministry headquarters. That brought Capernaum to what? A heavenly state of what? Existence. And the Lord said, it shall be brought down. What he's trying to say is because you don't continue to maintain your faith and to believe into what happened. Because this kind of miracles, if they will be done in some other people, they will repent, they will believe, they will trust, and they will not be wiped out. But for you to have lost faith, or you lose your faith in that which you have experienced, you shall be brought down to hell. In other words, because you do not maintain the miracles and the signs of wonder that have taken place in you and the state of this heavenly earth that have been created, you shall no longer be protected. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. So here in Matthew 24, the heaven here is representing the Jewish nation, the religious government, and the people of the Jewish nation that stood in the way of the church. We're going to see more of this. Because you see, the Jewish people were the people that were confronting Jesus and the disciples more. Right? The religious Jews, the Pharisees, the scribes. You know the persecution that was going on with Apostle Paul going out to take letters to persecute the church. Okay. Now we talk about stars that are falling from heaven. What are stars in the Bible? I'm going to make mention of some of these things uh, illustrate to you. But just I was trying to stay before. What is a star? When you say somebody says star, what do you mean? You know, even in your place, say it's a star actress or it's a star actor. Huh? You're talking about somebody who is prominent. Am I right? And it's a leading figure. It's a star player. It's a leading figure. 
Stars have nothing to do with those twinkle, twinkle little stars up in the sky. Those are not the things that are falling. Are you still there? <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll make you see. But it's just a reference, but I'm sure I'm going to come down to that. But remember, in Genesis 39, Joseph had a dream. How many of you remember that? Uh-huh. What happened? The 11 stars were buying. So what are the 11 stars? His brothers. <laughs> Did you get that? And then the moon. What's the moon? The mother. What's the sun? The father. So you should know that stars and moon and sun represent people. Moon is actually a symbol of the woman. To an extent. But basically, religious and idol worship. We've not yet published our book on the science of Christ's summon. I explain all of that. Symbolism of moon, moon worship, sun worship, all of that. So the sun and the moon falling, if you're going to religious circle, it's simply talking about gods that are being worshipped, that are losing their grips on people. So that Christ, the true son of righteousness, will shine forth. I have nothing to do with uh, stars up in the sky. Now, remember what God told G, I mean, um, uh, uh, Abraham. I mean, I remember what he told him. Uh-huh. Your son shall be as the stars and the sand of the seashore. Huh? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. And that is why you see. Nebuchadnezzar in Exile chapter 14 was saying, I'm going to make my abodes above the stars. Can you get it now? Who are stars? The twelve sons of Jacob. I'm going to rule over all the house of Jacob. That's what it means when he says, I'm going to rule above the stars. He's not talking about going above where God is dwelling. That's religious interpretation. I want to rule Israel. <laughs> I want to put them in bondage perpetually. That's what he was saying. But he never knew that God gave him the authority in Jeremiah 25. He said, you got to obey Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. You know, it's like what happened to Herod when Herod stood and looked at the whole empire that I built and began to boast. How many of you understand what I'm saying? That's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. He was trying to pride himself over his authority over the house of Israel. Praise the Lord. So you have to understand when he says stars are falling, he's not talking about something up there, some astronomical stars that are coming down from the sky. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the people who have risen to the place of authority. So the stars that are supposed to be falling in the house of Israel are the prominent people, if you will. Amen? Praise the Lord. So they are actually the leaders and the high priests of that decayed nation as at that time. The high priests, the leaders. How many of you remember they used to re refer to them as governors of the synagogues? Huh? The leaders of the synagogue are referring to the governors of the synagogues. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you remember that. And you know, governor is a star shining in a place of authority, in a place of power, in a place of dominion. So when the Bible said the stars shall fall, you know what he's saying in Matthew 24? He's saying when the Roman soldiers come to destroy the city, the temple is no longer there. All the religious leaders will lose their position. Stars are falling. Is that all right? Don't you forget, he said, this generation must not pass before all these things. So the stars fell in that generation. 
Praise the living God. Okay. Let's see something here. It talks about the shaking of the heavens. Like I said before. It is only because the heavens are going to be shaking. That's when the stars are going to fall. Did you get that? Right? And so what's going to call the shaking? Remember, the shaking is connected. And you see, it went before now to make us, make us understand the parable of the fig tree. And I remember Uncle Francis was asking the question, the fig tree that was supposed to bring forth fruit. Is that okay? All right. We shake the fig of the fig tree. It's going to cast down all of that. The fig tree is the house of Judah. It's Israel. Is that okay? So when Jesus said, I cause you from the root, you shall not no man shall partake of thee anymore. It's like saying, no man will be partaking of the Jewish religion henceforth. The tree withered because right from that moment, Judaism was going to die by reason of the pronouncement of Jesus Christ on that tree. You represent the house of Israel. You go back to Jeremiah, you're going to find all of that. Amen? Praise the living God. So, like we're looking at this, the whole of this thing actually took place in AD 70. The whole of the stars fell, the heaven wiped out. AD 70, everything took place. Now, let's make some reference here and see. You know, Joe, I made a pronouncement or a prophetic word uh, which Peter quoted in... Um, on the day of Pentecost. I mean, I remember that. Peter quoted something on the day of Pentecost. And uh, Joel chapter 2, for instance, if you look from verse 1 to 30, just write it down because I don't think you'll be able to have the time to read that. Oh. Joel, if you look at uh, Joel 2, from verse 1 to 30, uh, it talks about blow the trumpet in Zion for the day of the Lord is coming. It's near the day of darkness and gloom, like blackness that is spread upon the mountains. The great and powerful people, dense represented Babylonians. Before them, all the people are in anguish, all faces grow pale. The earthquake before them, and heaven tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw, they are shining. That is what you find in the book of Joel, chapter 2. If you're reading from. Um, Verse 1. But let me look at 30 and 31. This is what it says. And I will show wonders in heaven and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. Okay? The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Now I want you to see that. This is precisely what Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost. So basically what he was saying is what Daniel, I mean what Joel said is what is now taking place. So we need to understand what was the darkening of the sun and the moon and the blood and the vapor of smoke that Joel prophesied about which Peter was now making reference to. Is that okay? Are you following me? Again, we must remember this. What Joel was speaking was a prophecy against Judah. When he said that in verse 12 to 17, if you look at Joel 2, a fast was not declared in Israel. They not call for a fast. And then, if you look at verse 18 to 29, 
The Bible now says the Lord became jealous for his land and promised them blessing instead. That is in Joel chapter 2. But in verse 30 to 32 of Joel, he said, I will give post signs in the heavens and on the earth blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Now watch what is going on. The great and terrible day of the Lord will come after the sun, the moon is darkened, the blood is turned and whatever, as the case may be. Is that alright? Okay. And then he said, and it shall come to pass that all who call upon, and I want you to know this, upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This thing is going to happen before the great and terrible day of the Lord. I'm going to just summarize this, but I may probably explain them. What he's saying is this. I'm going to explain the vapor, the fire, and all of that. A bit. Not in details. But the key point is, all this thing will take place then the great and terrible day of the Lord will come. But they that believe shall be saved from the great and terrible day of the Lord. Did you get that? Now you see what Peter said, save thyself from this untoward generation. How many of you can remember that in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 2. When started speaking down to you, you remember that? Save thyself from this untoward generation. What he was not saying is everything God said in the book of uh, in regard to prophecy of Joel is now going to be fulfilled. Is that okay? So you better save yourself now because the great and terrible day of the Lord is coming. Hallelujah. Okay. And now but get it right. It has nothing to do with you when Peter was saying that. Is that alright? I'm going to make you see something. Okay. So now this is what Peter was saying. You can turn to the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 17. Peter was making reference to all of that that he spoken in the book of Joel chapter 2 uh, 31 down to 32 or 32 32 and then just in Acts chapter 2 verse 17 in the last day, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. That's what I started with. Which is making reference to Joel chapter 2 now. What was he trying to do here? He was actually speaking to the people listening to him at that time. If you look at verse 40 of Acts chapter 2, you know that he was talking to people and saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. Are you there? Amen. Because those who not listen to... To him, in that generation, we eventually experienced the great and terrible day of the Lord. The great and terrible day that Joe spoke about, Peter make reference to it in Acts 2 verse 20. Is that alright? So if you check out these scriptures, you find that all the people who listened precisely to what Peter was saying, the God themselves saved from the judgment that came on the day of the Lord. But remember, he was quoting from Joel chapter 2. Is that alright? Okay. I'm going to connect it there. You see what I'm trying to say. So here we find that actually the Jews who refused to listen to the word of the apostles in that particular generation saw a time of the great darkness 
of the heavens when the Roman soldiers came into the city and eventually destroyed Jerusalem. Forty years later, forty years after people have spoken about the great and terrible day of the Lord. Forty years later. Hallelujah. And those things fulfill the word of Jesus in Mighty 24 and verse 29. Now I'm going to be reading some scriptures so that you can get some insight into what I'm talking about. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 9. Romans 9. Let's look at two verses there. 27 to 28. Romans 9, 27 to 28. Now, keep this at the back of your mind. The book of Romans was written 56 to 58 AD, between 50 and 58 AD. And that's how many years before AD 70? Some 12 years later about. Is that okay? Are we together? Good. Okay. Watch this. Let's look at uh, 27. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel. Though the number of children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. That's Isaiah 10, 22 to 23. That is where uh, Paul was quoting from. Paul was quoting from Isaiah 10, 22 to 23. What did Isaiah say? Though the number of the children of Israel be as sand of the sea, a remnant shall be what? Saved. What was he talking about? Talking about those who will not embrace the gospel. Right from the day of Pentecost, right from when Jesus made a pronouncement in Matthew 24, and then Peter began to speak in the book of Acts. He's saying now, those who will not hearken to those words, shall not be saved. In other words, a remnant, in other words, a few people, though Israel is that much, only few shall be what? Saved. Who are going to be the few? Those who believe in the Lord. So what Paul is writing here was not for you in the true sense. Remember, he was quoting the book of Isaiah. Is that alright? You have to understand that almost everything Isaiah said God fulfilled even in Christ. Are you with me? Okay. So here he was quoting Isaiah, which actually connects the house of Israel even the more. Most of the things you found in the New Testament basically were the fulfillment of the house of Israel's prophecy. They were not basically for Gentile Christians. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, remember, God has already promised Abraham that his seed shall be at the sand of the seashore. Is that okay? So Isaiah is not saying, though the number of the children of Israel shall be at the sand of the sea, in reference to the promise to who? Abraham. A remnant, meaning few shall be saved. Who are the few that are going to be saved now? Those who will believe in the gospel. Praise the Lord. Okay. Look at verse, verse 28. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because his short work will the Lord make upon the earth. No. <laughs> okay. You look at that again in Isaiah 28. That is where he took it from. Isaiah 28 verse 22. That is where Paul was writing from. What short work? 
We say we finish the work and got it short. They have the reference to it's like a judicial proceeding. Somebody who is, you know, proceeding is going on and there's no more delay. Judgment has to be passed. That's what it means, finishing the work. Is that okay? It's like a judicial proceeding. Israel have been tried and the Lord has found them guilty and we immediately execute upon them the punishment due to their transgression. That's what it means. Hallelujah. Are you there? So the art here in the book of Romans that we're looking at have nothing to do with the physical art. Is that okay? But he's dealing with the house of Israel in relation to the prophecies of who? Of Isaiah. So when he says we'll cut it short, what he's trying to say, no more delay. The judgment must come. The guilty have been found, I mean, the people have been found guilty, therefore judgment have to be executed immediately. That's what it means. Alright. Are you still with me? Look at Romans chapter 10, verse number 18. I just want to suppose that this will help you when you're reading the Bible. Is that okay? Uh-huh. So that you'll be able to see some of the things that are fulfilled, and some of, whatever, you see, the point is this. My own way of interpreting the Bible is this. Number one, I have to also view more scripture from the historical perspective and prophetic fulfillment. Then I can apply them to my life. The reason is simple. Christ is yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible said those things are an example unto us. But I must first find who they were written to first. Before I apply it to myself. The application I can get from this is if God speaks a word, you need to walk in obedience or you survive for it. Simple. But it wasn't coming to me. The language was not mine. Do you understand that? Romans 8 verse 18. Let me read from the NIV. Romans 10, 18. I'm sorry. Thank you. Their voice has gone out into all the arts. Their wells to the ends of the world. Which world? Now remember, here Paul was quoting from Psalms 19 verse number 4. <laughs> he was quoting from Psalm 19 verse number 4. In Psalm 19 4, the Bible is saying, The farmer declares the glory of God. And their voice is heard everywhere. What it means is, when you look at the sky, look at everything that is created, you can say of the truth, there is God. So what he's trying to say now is, Israel cannot deny that they have not heard the word of God so that they can be saved. That's what he's trying to say. They could avoid the judgment that is coming. They have no excuse one bit. They've heard the word. That is what he's trying to say. You know the word. There was no Jewish man that didn't hear the true gospel of the kingdom before the judgment of God in AD 70. This is what Paul is trying to say. Are you there? The King James says, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sons went into all the earth and their worlds into all the ends of the world. Okay, let me try and make you see some things here. Hallelujah. But just like I said, the message of Christ and his kingdom 
have been preached to every corner where there was a Jewish man, whether in Palestinian region or within the Roman Empire. Wherever a Jewish man was, they had the gospel of the kingdom. So there was no excuse for their unbelief leading to their destruction in AD 70. So when he's saying, you know, it's like an argument. Because I'm going to make you see why he's saying this. Go back a little bit. Same Romans 10. Go back to verse 13. Let me see. Let me show you what he's trying to say. Why he's saying what he's saying. Praise God. Romans 13. I mean Romans 10. Look at verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now begin to understand it. It is good we can use this for witnessing or preaching fine. But there is a need for us to get a clue. As to why it is said at all. Okay. Verse 14. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in of whom we have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring out tidings of good things. That's Isaiah also speaking. Okay. But, they, but have they all obeyed the gospel? For Isaiah said, Lord, who have believed our reports? Are you there? Verse 17, I said, So then faith coming by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. Now, if you go back to verse 18 that we just read, look at what he's saying now. But I say, have they not heard? Who is he not talking to? Isaiah said, who have believed our reports? Have they not heard? So you see what I'm trying to say. Verse 18 is answering the, the, the good. Why are they still in unbelief? Why are the Jews still in unbelief? So, the answer comes from what Isaiah said. Who have believed our reports? Are you getting that? So, he now says, so have they not heard or heard what? Heard the good news because somebody has gone out to preach. Amen? Praise the living God. So, when he talks about the gospel being preached to all the earth, by the time Paul was writing this later, there was, there was no gospel in India, in America, whatever. Is that okay? <laughs> so what was the earth that he's talking about? What was the end of the world? Remember we said the end of the world. But as at when he wrote this, the gospel has not even gone to India, not going to America, I'm not even sure it's going to Africa. The best we can think of has gone to Africa was a eunuch that came from Ethiopia. Maybe. Is that all right? Come on, are you with me? Good. So, so here the earth is symbolic of the people. Who are these people now? Israel. In this prophecy, the Jews. The Jews were scattered all over the Roman Empire by the time of Christ. And all these diverse regions were represented when Peter spoke on the day of Pentecost. I would like us to read that. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Let's look at verse 5. Praise God. Are you there? And says, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of what? Every nation under heaven. Can you see that? Good. So, 
What Paul is writing in Romans is this. They have no excuse because on the day of Pentecost, they were all represented in Jerusalem. From all the nations, wherever they were, that's where the eunuch came from, Ethiopia. They were all there on the day of Pentecost when Peter was speaking. They all heard. And when the people left back from the feast, they proclaimed the same thing wherever they find themselves. So I say, have they not heard? Of course, the answer says what? Yes. So the question is, why are they still in unbelief? And it goes back to what Isaiah said. Who have believed our reports. So when he said the gospel was preached to all the earth, it's referring to the Greco-Roman Empire. Wherever a Jewish man was, that was the end of the world. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? So the end of the world is not talking about some boundaries and, you know, things like that. So, when we read of, in the book of Acts, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke, it is simply talking of the power that was flowing through the apostles on the day of Pentecost, revealing the glory of God, calling men to repent before the great and terrible day of the Lord which was the judgment of God on Jerusalem in AD 70. Is that okay? Uh, I'm going to make you see all of that a little bit. When he said, signs and wonders, I will show signs and wonders in the heaven. Remember, the stars are falling from heaven. But signs and wonders will be manifested in heaven. It is basically a common sign all the apostles and the prophets to manifest or to work with signs and wonders. Deuteronomy chapter 13, you can read that, verse number 1, and then 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Just write it down. And then Romans 15, verse 18. It's a fact that apostles go with signs and wonders. Apostles are prophets. So when he says, I will show signs and wonders in the heavens, he's talking about a new crop of people that come in to demonstrate power on the day, after the day of uh, Pentecost. Do you understand what I'm saying now? What he saying, remember, signs and wonders will follow before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Is that okay? I remember immediately after Pentecost, all this sin begin to manifest. Praise the living God. Okay. Now, when you talk about vapor of smoke, what kind of smoke is this? It speaks of the glory of the Lord. You can look at that in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Isaiah 4, verse number 5. Vapor of smoke speaks of the glory of the Lord. Signs of wonder have to accompany the people. Listen, I'm explaining to you what Joel prophesied and what Peter spoke about. When he said, I will show signs of wonders in the heavens, talking about the power that is going to flow through the apostles in doing signs of wonders and miracles. And then, vapor of smoke speaks of the glory of the Lord, which basically you find in the tabernacle. Is that all right? Then fire, remember, he maketh his ministers, what? A flame of fire, Hebrews 1 verse 7. Is that all right? Then it talks about the blood. The blood has to do with the release of life of God. So the apostles manifested signs and wonders. You can look at Acts chapter 4 verse 13, Acts chapter 5 verse 12, as the life of God revealed to all realms of creation in heaven and earth. When this manifestation was going on, 
He said, we'll show signs and wonders in the heaven and earth. And remember, why will it be so? Because at the name of Jesus, all names bow. Whether in the heavens or in the earth or where? Underneath the earth. So when he said the signs and wonders in heaven and earth, he's talking about the demonstration of power that was flowing from the apostles after the day of Pentecost to convince the world of the new thing that God was doing. Did you get this? Praise the living God. Amen. Now you can check out Philippians 2, 5 to 11. talks about that. What was the purpose of these uh, miracles and signs of wonder that was going on? It was to create a conviction in the heart of the people so that they can believe into the gospel. And what is next thing? So that they can be saved and redeemed from that destruction that was coming. Is that all right? Praise the living God. And all of this thing pulled together demonstrate what you call the sign of the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. All those things the apostles were doing, they were demonstration of the sign. You see, if you go and read the book of Isaiah, time will not permit me to prove all of that to you. God was talking about coming in the clouds. And sometimes when he used the word, he's talking about the Assyrians coming to invade. Anytime he talks about coming in a manner, he's using the people. So one of his comings in Jerusalem was the Roman soldiers. But the signs in the heaven of the Son of Man coming was the apostle demonstration of his power and glory in Israel. To prove that Christ has risen and sitting at the right hand of God. And his believers can go forth to do signs and wonders. They become his signs because they were actually his representative. Do you understand this now? Now, you see, the, 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 the big shorts, which are the stars of heaven, have already come down. The stars were not rising. In other words, in the life of the apostles and those people that were demonstrating all of these things. Is that okay? Are you following it a little bit? Remember, I'm giving you keys that will enable you to understand when you're reading the Bible. I can't be able to teach everything that concerns the things I'm saying. But what I'm explaining to you will enable you, if you want to be a good Bible scholar, to understand the scriptures when you're reading. You'll be able to know what is fulfilled. You'll be able to know what concerns you. You'll be able to know what took place some years back and how it worked. And this will prevent you from just believing all manner of doctrines that are floating around now. Do you understand that? Especially when I'm talking about the end time, the end time, the end time. All this kind of stupid stuff. Remember some time ago, the Bible, people wrote books and talked about Israel. Israel is about 46 years now, in whatever, in independence, whatever. And they said, oh, once Israel got independence, that's the end of the world. Prophecies. The books there, but 46 years now. What do you worry about? All those things are still trash. And people are still thinking of going to Israel. But somebody got mad with me. I remember I told you that. Turn to pray for the peace of Israel. It's always special about that. Who is praying for the peace of Nigeria? We're all nations under heaven. Amen. God's nation is. The Bible says not all that are Israel are Israel. It's not all Jews are Jews. The Bible says that. A Jewish man is able to believe in Christ. The true seed of Abraham is the seed of Christ. 
we have the heavenly Jerusalem as our mother from above, Galatians 4. And then you have the Jerusalem which is a bondage with her children. Now I'm not against Indra in any way. But don't project that to me because it's not biblical. Who's praying for Nigeria? It's called nation worldwide prayer for Israel. Prophecy. What kind of prophecy is that? Who's praying for Nigeria? Boko Haram is just killing us. Who pray for us? Amen. They got their problems. We got ours too. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> no one is special before God. We are God's seeds. The worst part of it, they don't even believe in Jesus. Now I'm going to take one more scripture and then we'll close for tonight. Revelation 1. It's like you're beginning to enjoy this. Is it? Yeah, I see some people smiling about that. Okay. No, Maxwell actually saying, no, you need to keep this thing. We need it for. Uh, uh, he was talking about a particular conference we need to have there. I said, what we have, we can't finish it in the conference. In three days, we can't finish it. Unless we're going to do how many hours of study all through. But we can't finish it. So we'll do this. If we want to do conference, we'll do some summary on it. Is that okay? All right. Revelation 1 verse 7. This one is an interesting passage. I think you will like it. Next week, I'm going to deal with more passages from the book of Revelation. That will make you understand again <laughs> that if you start reading the book of Revelation with clear understanding, you begin to understand that the whole thing is dealing with the Jewish nation. Jewish nation under Roman captivity. It's referred to as the Great Babylon. I just start saying this thing for a few years now. Serious issue. But let's deal with this one. Behold, he come with clouds. Are you there with me, Roman? Revelation 1. Behold, he come with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also quit pierce him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall will because of him. Amen. Who does who pierce him? Hey, watch a minute. Jesus died some 2,000 years ago. Is any Jewish man still living now? Who pierced Jesus? The Roman people. How are they going to see him? Oh, I thought they told us that when the trumpet sound, only those in Christ will rise. So how could it be that those who can't see will see him? Sometimes we don't even think. We just read, but we don't reason. Amen? Because we know that those who can't see him, if, in, in the true sense of it, they are not even the Romans. They were the Jewish people. They were the people that really pierced him. You know, Zechariah actually prophesied about this. What he's speaking about now, you find the book of Zechariah. Okay, let's read on. And then he talks about all those that dwell upon the earth, the kindreds of the earth. Again, the earth here is symbolic, and the heaven here is also, uh, like we said before, refers to the same thing. So basically, we have the heaven and earth, like we said that a few weeks ago. We have Old heaven and earth, and the new heaven and earth. How many of you remember that? Good. All right. And then we know that the old heaven and the old earth flew or flee away from the presence of he that sat on the throne. Is that okay? And we know who is sitting on the throne? Jesus. When did he start sitting on the throne? After resurrection, Acts chapter 2. How many of you remember that? He sat on the throne as the son of David. When he rose from the grave, Peter said that on the day of Pentecost, 
So right from there, the old devil began to flee from his presence. But the whole thing finally crumbled in AD 70. So therefore, we receive a new heaven, what? And a new earth. So if the old heaven and old earth means the people, what does new heaven and new earth mean? Come on now. He speaks about you and I. Did you get this? Praise God. Okay. So, we find the old heaven and the old earth were basically the Jewish people and their errant leaders. They were the old heaven and the old earth. The Bible said they flee from the presence of the throne. Disappeared. They were replaced in the favor and sight of God by the holy people, which is you and I. Amen? All right. Now, I want to make you see one of the things that why they use the language there. They use the word kindred. Now, what kindred actually speaks about the Jewish nation? Right? Uh, they were actually kindred in the sense that they had strict laws that Jews cannot marry Gentiles. So, they were just brethren. In that sense. Jews doesn't marry Gentiles. That's at that time. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now? That's the, why the word kindred. So they were just simply a Jewish community. No intermarried. And this is why you also find that in the book of Daniel, the image on the feet of Daniel, the Bible says, they could not mix the clay and good. So, what he's saying, the Jews, because of their belief, would not want to accept Gentiles. So there was no mixing. But you find that they were still in the same empire together. So Rome had the feet of clay, but they could not mix together. The Jews and the Romans were living side by side, but they would not marry each other. Amen. Praise the Lord. So they were kindred then on the face of the earth, the land of Palestine where they dwelled. The will, because of Christ coming for that coming meant the utter destruction by the Roman invasion. Every Jewish man saw this great event because they were all caught up in it. So when he says, those that pierce him, they see him, they didn't see woman floating from the sky. But he saw the judgment of Remember he said, then shall you see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. Did you get that? So all the Jewish people who refused to believe, like Paul's writing in the book of Romans chapter 10, they saw the coming of the Lord in the judgment that he pronounced or executed through the Roman soldiers on Jerusalem in AD 70. They all perished. They saw. They wailed. They cried. Another way of putting it is they regretted they should have believed. Because remember what he told them in the book of Luke chapter 21. So when you see Jerusalem compass about with armies, know that the desolation has come. How I many of you remember that? But in the midst of all that, they stood to get him crucified. And when finally the judgment came, they, it's like regretting and repenting. I wish we believed. So when he said, all shall see him come in the clouds of heaven. And then we think it has to do with what's going to happen tomorrow. And then we're going to see somebody floating from the sky. 
And every one of us are going to be looking at him. But I don't know how that's going to happen. Somebody say, well, it's going to happen because the television, CNN will carry it. Everybody will see it on the wall. That's a crazy way of thinking. Amen. Because we have no proof for what we believe. We just try to use some things to establish what we're trying to believe. But it doesn't make sense one bit. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He comes in the class of heaven. Praise the living God. It's not coming on CNN. It's not coming on cable satellite. Right? But he came to the people that would not believe him even after he has warned them. Are you still there with me? And the best thing they can come even at this moment is to come in the cloud of glory, which also is you and I. You know, Jude made us to understand when that book is out, you'll be able to see clearly. Jude made us to understand we have the clouds without water and we have clouds with water. Is that not true? Clouds without water, those people are not filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. They are clouds without water. James and Jambres, the Bible refers to them as clouds without water. They were believers who do not have the Spirit of God. But clouds with water are men who walk in the light of God's Spirit and God's Word. So even if it's going to come in the clouds of heaven, it's coming through you and I. And every eye will see him in you. What did he tell Philip? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. We are afraid to say that because we do not know yet and we have not been able to ascend in our mind to who we are truly supposed to be on the face of the earth. But the church is the clouds of glory because it's filled with water. For further information and message order, please call plus 234-803-481869 or you can visit our website at www.gkai.net God bless you.